Welcome to another episode of the Let's Sip Podcast, the podcast where we pontificate on all things craft beer. I'm your host, Brandon E. Gaylor, and I have finally returned after a very long hiatus. Um, for like everybody else out there, it's been quite a ride uh, all through 2020 and even into the new year here. We're still uh, dealing with issues and stress and... Uh, waiting for things to get back to normal and what's going to be the new normal you know ha 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 everybody's saying that and you know there's no such thing as a normal anymore it's going to be different but um honestly it's kind of feels like craft beer has hung in there for the most part um there has been word of the usual closures and things like that and some some breweries have shut down uh, I know one uh, motor row out of Chicago that I did get a chance to visit back when I was in the Midwest. Um, they actually went out of business, but that was not entirely surprising to me just because never heard a lot from them. Their d- d- distribution never really branched out beyond the city too far. Uh, they hung in there for a while, but uh, a few months ago they finally closed their doors but apparently, I believe there's going to be another brewery opening in that same space. But uh, I didn't visit their tap room once. It was uh, in the South Loop neighborhood in Chicago, and it was a good time. Uh, one thing, uh, probably the most, the, the bartender was really cool, but probably the most memorable thing about my outing was I met a gentleman who worked in a repair shop for Alfa Romeo. And uh, so I thought that was pretty unique. The Alfa Romeo is, uh, I believe, is it, a, is it Italian? I'm just guessing here. It sounds Italian. I think it's an Italian car. I could be wrong. But um, he had you know, special training to work on Alfa Romeo cars. So he was a mechanic doing that. So I thought that was pretty interesting. But I met a few cool people there. It was there. Very small tap room. Very kind of intimate setting. Back, of course, uh, a few years before pandemic uh, changed all of that kind of sociability but no yep Motoro is no longer and um, within the last month or two Ballast Point also announced that they would be closing their Chicago brew pub and I, I um, permanently anyhow I know a few months back I or I don't know how long it was ago and I can't even say a few months ago because I haven't done a podcast in several months but I know when I first initially announced that Ballast Point was shutting down their brew pub for the quote-unquote time being, uh, I wouldn't be surprised that if it ended up being permanent, and so it did. Um, Ballast Point as a whole, man, I still I still really believe in Ballast Point. I think they make great beer. Um, I know Chicago is just a, was it just a tough market with the volume of breweries that they have. I mean, they're still growing even now. New breweries are opening up. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a tough market to break into if you are an outsider. And um, I I liked uh, I, I had a good time when I visited the brew pub. One thing that I was just concerned about was uh, it just felt a little bit too fancy. Uh, for me, I, I like more of a tap room style vibe, and more. And that this was, uh, this was 
very much trying to appeal to that brew tub at a brew pub atmosphere of being a, like a, as much a restaurant as a beer destination and a um, little bit fancier of a setting for that and uh, it's just not that's not my personal feel like I said usually if I'm going to drink some beer someplace I want to focus on the beer for one and for two is I like it just a little bit more casual a little bit more chill and laid back and um, I think Ballast Point was just trying to be too many things with that that uh, brew pub. And they opened in a really popular restaurant destination, which just means there was a lot of competition. And they were new guys in the game. And they had a couple, they have a couple breweries in the vicinity that are local to Chicago in the same neighborhood. So they had challenges right out of the gate. Uh, doesn't mean Ballast Point is hurting anymore. I know they're trying to open a new location on the West Coast. So that's going to be a big deal. I believe it's in San Francisco they're looking to open a brew pub. So Chicago just wasn't the market at this point in time. But I'm still keeping an eye on them guys to see where they're going. Because, um, like I said, I like their beer and I like their product. But breweries are still rolling on and putting out new beer. A lot of places are looking at introducing hard seltzers. Um, I've made my opinion on that, um, on that strategy known several times in the podcast, so I won't get back into that. Uh, but in many ways, it feels like the beer industry is kind of somewhat kind of going through a just kind of, it feels normal, so to speak, I guess. Um, new beers are still being rolled out. Uh, might be less likely to drink one indoors or in a tap room but there you can still buy beer you can still find new beers um, the new seasonals are coming out so kind of feels like in some respects it's a normal flow in the brewery world um, but uh, bars are slowly opening tap rooms are slowly opening but um, uh, some of it's indoors, but a lot of it is uh, just if you have happen to live in a place where there's a warm climate currently, and it's uh, a lot of outside dining or a lot of outside drinking, or uh, you may just prefer to avoid you know being indoors um, or drinking indoors because of uh, the pandemic and uh, all that that's going on. So, but uh, the brewery world is rolling on. Um, I am no different. I've been trying to try some new beers when I get the opportunity to. Uh, earlier this evening, I tried a pale ale. If you love the hops, it's always a good idea to remind yourself about uh, just a standard American pale ale. Because oftentimes you're thinking about a, you know an IPA and hazy and New England styles and all that stuff that's going on and sometimes just a, a nice American pale ale will fit the bill and this beer was no exception it's called a the Hamilton pale it was from family business beer company out of uh, Dripping Springs Texas so I don't know too much about these guys did not get a chance to look them up uh, the pale ale was very nicely balanced. It wasn't. Uh, it was a nice hop aroma, but it was a nice balance between the malt and the hops. It wasn't overly hoppy up front, 
Sometimes you can have a pale ale that drinks a little too much like an IPA. Not that I would technically complain about such a thing, but uh, when you're looking for something that fits the style better, you do want to find that nice balance. Uh, it was 4.9% ABV, so that uh, very drinkable, very sessionable kind of uh, range right there. I guess you really can't say... I need to stop saying drinkable. Drinkable is a, uh, a ridiculous word. Every beverage is drinkable. But uh, I'm working on it, you know. This product uh, was canned in March. There's a splotch over the midday. Actually, it looks like it might be uh, 29th, March 29th of this year. So it is under a month old and it was cold. So it was good to go in my opinion. And the bottom of the can also says, I believe, Bagel Dog Day. So must be some sort of inside joke. But if you're talking bagel dogs and those, uh, they're talking about the hot dogs that are wrapped in the dough, then um, I'm right there with you. But this was a very solid american pale ale uh, makes me wistful for the days of when i was in chicago and I had access to a uh, half acre beer and their daisy cutter pale ale i do need to find a standard here in the texas area for a pale ale and um, maybe this hamilton pale could be in the range uh, I, as you recall i found a go-to IPA um, for for the time being in the uh, St. Arnold's uh, Art Car IPA. And I recently revisited that beer as well and wa again wa found uh, it to be highly satisfactory and was impressed. So uh, that's definitely going to be one of my go-to IPAs here. And I... I uh, was tempted to go another direction, but then I had to decide to stick with the hops this evening, and I grabbed a American IPA from Austin Beer Works. Um, I recently tried a black lager from Austin Beer Works that was exceptional. I love a black lager. I think all that heavy malt flavor, um, but with a thin uh, thin finish like a lager, so it's not too heavy. You get all that robust flavor, but it's light like a lager. I think 1554 from New Belgium. I don't even know if they still make that beer. I haven't seen it in a long time. Uh, but that, I think that was one that really turned me on to the black lager style. And... Um, the Black Lager from Austin Beer Works was very good. I think it's called Black Thunder. I may be getting that wrong, but I can't remember the name exactly. I know that the beer did win a medal at GABF, so that is saying something. Uh, that was good. Their Oktoberfest was good. Pretty much all the beer I've had from them thus far is good. And this Fire Eagle American IPA is pretty darn solid as well. 7.3% ABV was canned on uh, March 30th of this year, so it is very fresh, about three weeks old. 
Uh, so it's good to go. Uh, this is definitely more of an American style. Um, I wouldn't really call it too much of a West Coast IPA. It's not quite that juicy fruity up front. My palate was affected a little bit because I drank the pale ale first, but this feels more, this feels, does feel like it has a good balance. Um, and I'm, I, I don't know what, the, I can't, uh, the can doesn't say anything about the hop profile, so I don't know what hops are in there, but I'm wondering if it might be something along the lines of like a centennial hop. I don't really taste any citra, I don't think I taste any mosaic in here, unless it's part of something else. So I'm wondering if they're leaning more towards like a centennial hop. Uh, or something uh, definitely more of like an American-style hop in this particular beer. But it's uh, very good, very tasty. And I, uh, even for 7.3% ABV, I don't really taste any alcohol come through too much. Um, that has been an issue recently with uh, some hazy IPAs that I have tried. When, when they go for like a New England style or a hazy and you have all that juiciness up front, uh, but you don't keep your ABV down and you're getting above like 6%, you really start to taste the alcohol, a uh, little bit of like alcohol burn on the finish because there's no bitterness there to counter that alcohol. I believe I've mentioned this before and um, that's kind of a bummer. So uh, if you're going for like a hazy, like a juicy, uh, like a New England style, uh, you got to keep your ABV down. You don't want to, uh, that's kind of key with the style. Otherwise, is if you're going to put all that um, hop effort in on the front end and then the aroma and the dry hopping, you're going to leave all the bitterness out on the back end. That bitterness is not going to be there to balance the alcohol. If the alcohol is too high, you're going to get that coming through, and you're going to taste that on the finish. I don't know if it's just my palate starting to adjust, but I, I swear I'm starting to pick up on the alcohol um, at the end of these beers more and more as I try them. So, And when I said I was tempted earlier... Before I ended up going with two hoppy selections for this evening. I was tempted because a brewery called Live Oak had a Weizenbach, a canned Weizenbach in the cooler. And it's not very often that I drink a Weizenbach for one. And for second, I have been highly impressed by what Live Oak has been doing. I don't believe I talked of when I had, I got a chance to have their Oktoberfest last fall and uh, I was very much impressed by what they did with that beer. It, it tasted like a European style Oktoberfest and I am not sophisticated enough to exactly describe what that difference is. Um, maybe it's just, maybe uh, I'm sure it has something to do with the yeast. Uh, maybe it, it probably has a little bit to do with the hops. Uh, American style uh, or American made like Oktoberfest style beers sometimes have a, a little bit more of a American hop style feel to them. But um, 
that kind of sounds stereotypical and not always true to be the case but for whatever whatever they did with their Oktoberfest it's tasted very much like what you would expect drinking a true European style Oktoberfest and I was super impressed by that I had a few different Oktoberfests they were all very solid of course but whatever it was when you drank that it was just like wow this tastes like something you would be getting from a brewery uh, in Europe or um, or in you know uh, in Germany so um, I was very much impressed by their Oktoberfest and a couple weeks ago I got to try uh, their smoked beer as well and uh, I'm gonna butcher the pronunciation there Groditsky uh, but uh, I thought I, I thought I, uh, here was another example of Live Oak producing a very uh, quality, uh, unique product. The ABV was uh, super low at like a 3.0. So again, I, I love the opportunity when I can drink these flavorful beers to have like a low ABV. So you can really kind of session them if you want to. I don't know if I'd ever really be into sessioning uh, smoked beer, but um, just it's awesome to be able to try all this flavor for such a low ABV, uh, reminiscent of when I was back in Illinois and a brewery called Tighthead, they made an English mild at like 2.5% ABV, and you could just, you could drink pints of that all night long and I mean, you'd eventually feel a buzz, but you could, that's definitely be a nice sessionable beer, but with so much flavor. So much flavor to be had for so low ABV is awesome. So yeah, there was 3.0, and there was a little bit of sweetness to it. And I know smoked beer is definitely an acquired taste. You definitely have to at least try it uh, once in your life. You may not like it, but it's worth a try. Usually it's not dark in color. It looks more of like a pilsner or like a light like a lager. So it's not heavy. It's not dark in color, but it's it just has that like a smoky aroma to it and that smoky taste comes into it. But this this one from Live Oak definitely had a sweetness element to it and uh, was very very solid. So uh, when I saw that Weizenbach tonight I almost had to grab it hopefully if I go back in the next night or two uh, it was only one thing it was only like one can still left in there but maybe it will still be there I can grab it uh, maybe too, there aren't too many Weizenbach fans around and I'll get to try it uh, but that would be very cool because like I said I don't rarely drink Weizenbach as it is but to get another product from uh, Live Oak I will be uh, very excited to give another one of their beers a try. Uh, speaking of lots of flavor for low ABV, I really want to try some non, uh, some alcohol or non-alcoholic IPAs and some like some craft and non-alcoholic beers, but I I don't see too many of them around in the store currently. I know, I believe. Uh, Guinness Guinness came out with a 0.0% um, uh, stout. I do think they recalled it at first initially because there was a problem. 
I'm sure that's been corrected, but I'd be I'd be very curious to try a Guinness Stout at 0.0%. Uh, that doesn't mean that there's not any alcohol in the product. Basically, the alcohol is so small that it's going to be like a 0.0 something. So as long as you, it seems like they say, you know, you could say 0.0, there's no alcohol in it. No, it, it's more of like a marketing ploy. You can put 0.0 because technically from, the, from those decimals, there is none, but it's like, it's going to be 0.0 something percentage of alcohol. So there's a little bit of alcohol in there, of course. Um, I believe maybe I, maybe I'm wrong on that, but I'm pretty, I, uh, most a most uh, non-alcoholic beers have always had a little bit of alcohol in them, and I don't I don't think they can get, there's any way to get around that during the brewing process entirely. Um, so I believe that's still probably the case. But I would definitely want to try some craft style beers in the non-alcoholic category. So I got to keep my eyes open for those. See if that becomes an option. And with the new um, with the, the economy opening back up and maybe things trying to get back to a quote-unquote normal, uh, I'll try to get a chance to go to a local brewery here maybe and uh, uh, get be able to sit outside, maybe try some beer, and maybe one of them will have a non-alcoholic beer. Maybe not. I don't know how big. Um, I don't know how big of a uh market that is right now maybe it's just some of the larger guys that are doing them but i would be very curious to try a non-alcoholic ipa uh, so yeah that's something i am looking forward to uh want to see on my radar but i think uh, this this episode is going to be a little bit shorter a little bit abbreviated it's just me trying to get back into the swing of things after being away for so long. Uh, I did drink some beer in the meantime, but it was not nearly uh, what I would have drank when I was actively recording this show. Um, so uh, I wasn't having too much fun while I was away, I'll just tell you that. Uh, but I'm looking to get back into the swing of things, and um, hopefully we can get back to a regular schedule. And just like uh, the world, perhaps we can try to get back to a normal, uh, somewhat sense of podcast recording normalcy. But that will be, uh, that remains to be seen starting to ramble so i will just say uh thank you for listening if this is your first time listening uh, please go to one of the other 38 episodes give it one more chance before you write me off forever because uh this might be one of the sloppiest ones i've ever done uh, but anyway i will see you next time and thank you for listening Bye bye that will do it for this episode of the Let's Sip podcast. I'm your host, Brandon E. Gaylor. Podcast theme music composed by Brandon E. Gaylor. Special thanks to Anchor.fm for hosting the podcast. Feel free to follow us on Instagram at Let's Sip Podcast. Thank you very much for sipping with us, and we'll drink with you again next time.
Bye-bye.